0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: Welcome to the Eye on Money podcast. I'm Jill Schlesinger. It is Tuesday, June 15th. I am joined by my executive producer, Mark Taller. So hey, Mark, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? You're so not used to me doing that. See, because Mark and I have worked together for now 100 years, and this is the first time I've brought him onto the program at the top of the show. How do you feel about it? You caught
0: me off guard. I was just bending around to kind of check the tennis score. So you caught me off guard.
1: Really? Uh, we are recording this as Mark has his head and brain into the French Open, uh, which he, our friend Connie, and my sister Kim are the only three people watching, I think. But God bless you. Mark and I are here to take the mystery out of your financial lives. And one of the things that we are doing on this program is not only answering your financial questions, they can be about retirement or investing or education funding or career switchers or how to figure out how to become financially independent and maybe not retire early, but maybe try something new or at least have a great opportunity in the future by saving a bunch of money early in your life. We're also here to try to help you understand certain aspects of the financial world that exist. So, Mark, I just want to um, be the first to actually tell you a happy quarterly payment day. You can't be happier than this day, right?
0: As we record this, just today, the day that we're recording this, I did go online and schedule
1: my second quarter payments. All right. Now, a lot of you are saying, what do you mean quarterly payments? What, what is this? So, remember that usually your, the tax filing deadline, it's April 15th. And and for most people who are employees you have money withheld from your paycheck in order to pay the taxes that would be due sometimes you over withhold that gives you a refund sometimes you under withhold and that means you owe money mark why do you have to pay estimated taxes what's why estimated taxes for some folks Well, I am not a
0: W-2 employee. I am a 1099 employee. So no taxes are withheld from my checks that I get. Therefore, it is on me to set aside a certain amount uh, each paycheck that I receive and pay them on a quarterly basis.
1: If you don't, what happens?
0: Yeah. If I don't, I will have to pay a big fat penalty.
1: No, we don't want to do that. And you know, more and more of us are individuals who work in the world for either ourselves or we're contractors. And the independent contractor status means that a lot of burdens do fall on you. So Mark, when you think about doing this in an efficient way, how should somebody follow your lead and what do they need to do to make sure they don't miss one of these quarterly payment deadlines? Well, I think, number one, every check you get, I would just, like for me, every check that I get,
0: I just take 30% and I put it aside. I never touch it. It really never comes to me. I put it aside in a separate account. Uh, That way I know when the deadline approaches, the money's there for me to pay my taxes. And uh, as we just discussed, I do everything online. That's probably the easiest way to do
1: this. EFTPS. I know that just rolls off your tongue. It's the Electronic Federal Tax Payment System And it's a service that's provided for free by the Treasury Department. And what you have to do is you have to enroll in it first, then they send you a PIN. I mean, it's the most ridiculous and old school process, but it works. They'll send you a PIN by mail, then you get the PIN, and then you're in, and then you can put all of the payments that you need to make through this system. And so I never did it. And then of course, Mark just completely made me feel, you shamed me, Mark. You made me feel like an idiot. You're like, why are you going to the post office? Nothing against the post office. I love the USPS, but I was mailing those quarterly checks in because I too am a 1099 employee and I'm mailing those checks in, you know, return receipt requested, doing that, standing in line. And now poof, you changed my life, dude. Do you do it for the state as well online? Oh, yeah. The state's easy. New York City, New York State, and Fed, and it's all online now. It's fantastic. And by the way, if you just have no idea what we're talking about, send us an email. If you're a 1099 employee, if you're someone who is an independent contractor, maybe you've got a little side hustle, maybe you got some gig work, send us an email so that we can help walk you through this process. It's askjill at jillonmoney.com, askjill at jillonmoney.com. And tell us if you would like to come on the air live with us, because Mark will do it. He'll arrange the whole thing. It's really easy. I think you'll be psyched if you actually come on the air with us. It's it's like a therapy session. It's kind of great. I like that. Uh, all right. So here's an email we got, Mark. I know what your answer is almost immediately, because the subject is, am I saving too much for retirement? Mark basically never thinks it's enough. So, Here we go. This is from Maurizio, and he is 30 years old. Wife is 33. They're expecting their first kid in December. Okay, he makes $77,000 a year, and his wife is not working. He says he's got about four months of expenses saved up for in our emergency fund. Four months, Mark. They're going to have a kid. You have a young toddler. (laughs) That seems a little light to me. You want to tell me how much that kid starts costing early on?
0: And his wife isn't working. So yeah, yeah. beef
1: it up. Beef it up. So we usually say six to 12. All right. So Maurizio and his wife, the young 30s, they've got about $58,000 in retirement accounts, a rollover IRA, a a Roth IRA, a health savings account, a thrift savings plan, and a Roth 401k. Okay, no debt. But he does have a car lease. He says, I'm going to buy the lease out when it's up early. No student loans. They paid him off. Great. No credit card debt. They use credit cards for the points, but pay them off every month. That's great. My plan is to buy a duplex house in the next two to three years. I'm saving $7,500 per year for the house fund, but I'm not sure if I should be contributing more than that or to that fund. Um, okay. they got about uh, 11 grand in there. Now the question is, am I saving too much for retirement? I don't know how he gets to that, but let's do this. I recently got a new job. They've got a 401k match of 50% of uh, contributions up to five grand a year. Okay, that's good. Um, He contributes $10,000 a year to get the full match. He also contributes five grand to the HSA. Should I lower my 401k to contribute more to your house, to the house fund? Maurizio says, I was born and raised in Peru. Because Peru, South America. Come on, man. I know it's in South America. Uh, Moved to the States when I was 17. Worked multiple jobs. Joined the Army Reserve to help finance my education. I finally graduated with degrees in accounting and financial planning when I was 27. I'm very passionate about personal finance. I worry too much about the future. At least that's what my wife says. She thinks I'm being cheap, LOL. I've been trying to contribute as much as possible to the retirement, but I'm not sure if I'm going too hard. Thank you. Okay. Mark. How do you look at this situation? What do you think that Maurizio and his wife should be doing?
0: Look, to me, I, I know it's only one income and it's not a huge income. But for me, if you're not at the minimum contributing $19,500 to your retirement account, then you're not oversaving. Wow. You're a hardliner. I, uh, I, I know. I know. It's I don't know if that's fair or not. That's how I look at it initially.
1: Okay. Let me ask another question. He's got $7,500 a year right now putting that into the house fund. How do you... How do you think he should balance the house fund and the retirement?
0: I would like to see more going into the retirement. If he wants to keep putting a little bit away towards the house fund, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. But I still think more should be going into retirement.
1: So here's how I look at this. I think that the first thing you should be doing is forget about the house fund right now. Like there should be absolutely nothing going in there until you have your emergency fund beefed up. And I'm not talking about six months of your expenses. We want one year of your expenses in there. What happens if you lose your job, man? Like, really? The the wife doesn't work, and they were gonna have a kid. So I want all of the available cash flow has got to go number one to the emergency fund, okay? And you can keep doing your retirement. So if you're if you're putting ten grand a year in your retirement, and then you're telling me you've got an extra seven thousand five hundred. I want 7500 bucks to go into the emergency reserve fund until you have 12 months in there, okay? Next, once you've got your 12 months, then I agree with Mark. I think that of that extra 7500, if you wanted like I'm going to give a little like wink and a nod, like okay, put an extra $5000 into your retirement account, then 2500 could go into the house fund. Why are you buying a duplex anyway? This is the second time we've seen this, I think, in this past week. He says, my plan is to
0: buy a duplex to house hack. So he's going to live in half, and then he's going to sublet the rest of
1: it. Okay, but that's true, and you still need to put a crap load of money down to do the house hack. You still lose your liquidity. I think that you need a more stable financial foundation before you do this. Even if you did the house hack, and you don't do it in two to three years, you do it in three to five years. Let's see how it goes. Maybe you don't want to do this. I mean, I like this guy. He's got grit for sure. And he's like rocking it on the savings. But I think that if we're just talking about priorities, the priority is emergency reserve fund, retirement, house fund, and then go from there.
0: Yeah. and I, I don't know what the story is with the wife. Like, was she working or is she planning on going to work after the child's born, after maternity leave? I, I don't know.
1: Look at you just sending that poor woman back to work before she has a minute to breathe and nurse her baby. You are something else. Just because your partner is an animal doesn't mean every single, how long did she take off after the baby was born?
0: Oh, no. She she took off for six months. She was
1: gone for six months. I have to say it was a shocking thing how quickly she adapted to that because she is a workaholic. She she really is. (laughs) All right. So I don't think you're saving too much. Okay, so before we um, finish up the show, one of our favorite favorite topics from Paul, who wants to know what's your thought about buying crypto or Bitcoin, also Ethereum? How much should I invest and in a safe place? I think he means how much to invest and where's a safe place that he can make this transaction. Thanks, Paul. Mark, the Ion Money crowd does not know your history with Bitcoin. So would you mind, I have never owned Bitcoin. Mark has. Let's just go back in time. We had a fantastic guest that Mark had wrangled for our radio show, our sister broadcast. And uh, he came on a couple of years ago to talk about Bitcoin after we got off the air. How, when was that? What year was that? I think that was 2017. The winter of 2017. Okay. The winter of 2017. And you bought, you you came off the air and you're like, I'm going to do this. So how'd you do it, by the way?
0: Uh, I did it using Coinbase, which is probably the most popular platform out there to buy any kind of crypto.
1: Okay. So what price did you buy it at?
0: Oh, man. I don't remember now, but I think I I bought it when it was like, I bought it a few times. It wasn't just one purchase, but I think I bought it initially when I was at like 4,000.
1: Okay. I'm going to just look this up. You say it was 2017? November of 2017, it was like around seven, eight grand, you know, could have been even less than that, but let's just call it five, six, seven. It went up to 19,000 in December. He didn't sell it. Then in 2018, it like went down, but it came back up and it had another shot to sell it. And then what happened?
0: I don't remember the exact timeline. I I know I sold it. At one point, I sold it for a loss. I definitely took like a few thousand dollar loss. I took a loss and it went back down and I dumped the money back in. Right. And then I, I wound up selling it. Uh, I don't know, a couple of years later, I made a little money. If I had held it when I went to 60 grand, I would have made much more. I you never would have, would have held it that long.
1: And you never would have sold it. So let's be honest. Okay. So now Bitcoin uh, at the end of 2019, pre-pandemic, it's trading at, uh, I don't know, let's call it Eight nine, I think it was, and then in 2020 it goes up and keeps going up, and it did recently go up to sixty thousand. Now it's at about thirty five thousand. So, what makes this so interesting, and why do you care about Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin is essentially a it is a crypto asset. It is an electronic asset, and who owns this stuff? There's only going to be twenty one million Bitcoin that will be actually supplied. So, it is a a finite amount of asset that is going to be out there. The way that you can actually get a, you mine a bitcoin is by solving a really complicated computer program. You people used to do it by hand, not by hand, by by their own computers. Now we have these bitcoin farms that solve the equations. They get issued the bitcoin. People hang on to that bitcoin. But the reality is that if you think about it as a currency, it's just a way for me to send Mark money electronically without a middleman. Because right now, if I do PayPal or Venmo. There's someone in between. There's a financial institution in between. It is a way to actually exchange value electronically without a middle person or middleman or woman. Now, what I think has become interesting is that Bitcoin has become almost like an asset class. So really, in terms of your question specifically here, Paul, you know, I think that buying crypto in some way, putting it in this asset category of like a gold a highly volatile asset that is usually traded on some weird scarcity notion. It's not bad, um, but I would never have more than 5% of my total invested assets in those kinds of investments, the gold, the crypto, I almost call it the, the fear-based panic part of your portfolio. You know, It, it is a defensive move as an asset class. Okay, that's it for the Bitcoin story. Don't forget to send us your questions. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. If you're on the website, you're perusing around, click the contact button. It's in the upper right-hand corner. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, here at the Eye on Money podcast, we want to always encourage you to do something nice for someone else today and to maybe practice this. There's a little mantra that we've come up with. Curiosity, compassion community. That's what we're all about here. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you on Thursday. If you like MoneyWatch, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.
0: The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover